I want to personally invite you to join me and all the other Brock stars for this year's 13th live and in-person plant stock event outside of Asheville, North Carolina in the little town of Black Mountain. It's 1,500 acres is loaded with wildlife, trees, trails, streams. It is a nature wonderland. And what's also a wonderland are all the incredible speakers that you get to hang with all weekend long, like Jane and Ann Esselstyn, Dr. Will Bolshewitz of Fiberfueled, Carly Bodrug, Miss Plant U, Dr. Gemma Newman is over from the UK. We have Dr. Don Musalem from the Mayo Clinic, John Mackey, the ex-CEO of Whole Food Market Stores, myself, Brian Hart, and a special appearance by the Plant Bros. Here's the kicker. All these Brock stars are there from Friday till Sunday, and they want to rub elbows with all of you, whether it's over buffets of Plant Strong Fair for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, whether it's going on an afternoon hike, a swim, pickleball, frisbee golf, kickball, cornhole, dancing. We're having live music. It's all there in this fun weekend extravaganza that we affectionately call Plant Stock. Simply go to liveplantstrong.com and then click on Plant Stock 2024 and grab yourself a ticket before they sell out. See you there. If you've ever considered even for a second of joining one of our Plant Strong retreats, I want to encourage you, now is your chance. Join us. Just do it and join us April 16th to the 21st, just outside Asheville, North Carolina, in wondrous and magical Black Mountain for six days of learning and laughter and living like you have never done in your life. We're going to take morning hikes together, yoga, afternoon pickleball, stargazing. We're going to eat endless buffets of plant-based meals, hear talks from the experts in the world, like Dr. Michael Clapper and Doug Lyle, on how exactly to best elevate your plant-based lifestyle. And great news for healthcare professionals. We have CMEs and CEUs available for physicians, physician assistants, nurses, and nurse practitioners as part of the registration fee. Just visit plantstrong.com and click on Black Mountain for all the details or send us an email with any questions to events at plantstrong.com. I'll see you April 16th. We all can do whatever we want to do when things are doing great. But none of us know who we are until life throws you on your head. That's a fact, Rip. I could have went along with the program and they could have chemoed me out of here like the other 200,000 people before me in the history of my disease. But I was like, hey, I have absolutely nothing to lose to do everything that they don't want me to do. And that's how we got here, Rip, from being a hard-headed person. I'm Rip Esselstyn, and welcome to the Plant Strong Podcast. The mission at Plant Strong is to further the advancement of all things within the plant-based movement. 
We advocate for the scientifically proven benefits of plant-based living and envision a world that universally understands, promotes, and prescribes plants as a solution to empowering your health, enhancing your performance, restoring the environment, and becoming better guardians to the animals we share this planet with. We welcome you wherever you are on your Plant Strong journey, and I hope that you enjoy the show. My guest today loves pain. Pain, you might say, is his superpower, which is a good thing because he lives with excruciating pain every second of every day. He was born with a condition called neurofibromatosis, which is a rare genetic condition causing multiple tumors to grow on the nerve tissue. He has literally hundreds of them on and all over his body. Unfortunately, they can become malignant and turn into an aggressive, mostly terminal form of cancer. And in 2012, D'Anthony was diagnosed with this particular type of cancer. And doctors removed hundreds of tumors and told him that he had six months to live. Eleven years later, in 2023, he is not only alive, D'Anthony is thriving. How in the world did he go from a death sentence to the absolute physical specimen and motivational force that he is today? One word for y'all, plants. You are going to love this conversation with this beautiful soul who embraces a daily rigorous physical and spiritual practice where he chooses to celebrate a birthday every day because every day is a renewal of life and one more day that he gets to celebrate being alive. Hold on to your hats and enjoy this force field that is D. Anthony Evans. All right. D. Anthony Evans is in the Ruff. house. <laughs> D, uh, I got a, a confession that I have to make to you. Two months ago, I didn't know you existed. I didn't even know who you were. Uh, I didn't know what a phenomenal story that you have and that you're living and that you know you're sharing with people. You know, and what happened is I was doing some research for another person that I was going to have on the podcast. And then I was watching a, a YouTube video. And then, you know, sometimes after you watch a video, other ones pop up. It says D'Anthony Evans, and it's, you know, about hope. And it's by an organization called The Hope Project. And it's eight minutes long, and I was captivated. And so I ended up pushing, pushing the arrow, and I watched that first part one episode that was eight minutes long. And at the end, I was in tears. I could not believe what I just saw. I watched part two. I sent it to my podcast producer. I said, we got to get this guy on the show. I DM'd you on Instagram. You got in touch with me and said, let's, let's do it. I showed my whole family. I've got a wife and I've got a son and I've got two daughters. And I showed them over dinner last night. Uh, that video, and everybody was in tears and they are just so excited for me to talk to you today. So 
<laughs> wow, wow, goosebumps, goosebumps, and goosebumps. Um, to me, Rip, this is just some type of celestial intervention because my story kind of I've been like cancer specific and just been focusing underneath, you know, the the in the shadows helping cancer patients because I'm a cancer patient. But since I got not stuck, but since I settled in Maui. Um, my teacher just encouraged me that you got to scale it up. You can't fly around the world anymore with your compromised immune system. And, and that's kind of what you what, what all these projects are about. It's about sharing the story um, where I don't have to put my immune system at, at, at risk. But the fact that it finally got to you and I've been trying to get on your podcast for like for years now, um, Rip, is uh you know that's why I say it's divine intervention. I've been trying to get on your show uh, because I I like how you live and your style. I just like how you. We all talk about the same thing, the same lifestyle, but what's unique in everybody is their delivery. How you deliver the information, and I like the way you deliver the information, brother. Well, I like the way you would deliver information too. I really do. I really do. Now I want to unpack your story a little bit here. Uh, as, as I said, it is, it's a phenomenal one and it's a, it's a testament to just the, the, the ferocious nature that you are tackling this thing that has, you know, that has kind of taken hold of you. So first of all, um, if you don't mind, before we talk about, you know, the disease that you have, you want me to call you D, D Anthony? What do you like? You're, you're just plain old. Let me just for the world. My name is Dewan, D E J U A N. But my first speech, the MCs call me Dijon, and it threw my whole speech off. Like I was, because you're not, you can't correct. They was you never correct anybody when they misspell your name at a at a speech. It was my first survivor speech. American Cancer Society, three thousand runners on the relay for life. It was huge. And she called me Dijon, and I said, Dewan is gone. D. Anthony will be created because it threw my rhythm off. But call me D, Rip. So, D, tell me, where did you grow up? I grew up in a suburb um, on the border of Chicago called Evanston. Um, one block, I mean, across the street is Chicago, We and, and the other side is, is the suburb Evanston, which Northwestern. Um, is the home of. And, you know, my mother was from the suburbs and my dad was from the South Side. So I was this culmination of, you know, very, very different upbringings that, that kind of created who I am and, and the way that I moved. But Evanston, Illinois is, is where I was born and, and raised. Did you have brothers and sisters? Um, I have half brothers and siblings, but in my household, it was just me and my mother um, for, for, the, for, for 16 years, me and my mom. She was my mom and my dad. Okay, so your dad was not there. Is that correct? He was not there. Um, I, I got familiar with the penitentiary very young, um, visiting him. Like, no, I'm past that. I mean, I was angry at him for a long time, but no, like my mom was my mother and my father and why her, 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 her passing kind of devastated my life because that she was everything. 
So you were raised by your mom. It was you and your mom. And what was your what was your mom's name? My mom's name was Cherie. Cherie, Cherie Wilburn Evans. Yes. Cherie. Cherie. Yes. Cherie. Cherie. Uh, my Cherie. That was their song. That was their favorite song. <laughs> oh. And um, so what happened when you were 16 that you said, uh, you know, it was kind of devastating for you? So, Rip, my mom, it, the reason it was devastating because most people or most children um, that, that, that have a, a, a sick or ill parent, they kind of know what's coming because they've been sick or ill. Yeah. The insane thing of just about my life and how it played out is that I'm born on my mom's birthday, which is December 21st. And she was diagnosed with AIDS and HIV in like 80, 85, 86. Um, found out at a blood drive through my school. Um, I didn't know this, like from 86 to 93, I didn't know any of this, but I reflect back on her behavior. She wouldn't let me drink from her pop and would get real, she wanna hit me because I was trying to eat from the sand and I didn't understand. I just, man, what? You're my mom and I didn't get it. And for eight years, in reflection, I just think about everything we went through and her being sick and me not knowing that is AIDS, like it's a death sentence and everything she's doing is to try to prepare me for being here by myself. And so she lived, man, successfully and without symptoms until the last like year. And it was Magic Johnson. It was Magic Johnson coming out that inspired her to tell me. After school, I'll never forget it. It had been her secret. She'd been sick for eight years. I knew something was wrong, but AIDS? Like, that was that was the whole world. Like, everybody was just scared. Yeah. And once she had found out, she became an activist. And those last 24 months of her life were standing in front of my high school with the megaphone condoms and HIV prevention literature, trying to save my generation. It was the most embarrassing thing at the time. Like, mom, like you in front of the school. DeWine, I have to save, like you're not listening. We were at church three times a day. I really didn't understand the gravity of her behavior, but it's kind of what I'm doing now. I just didn't die. <laughs> right. If you think about what happened, I got diagnosed with terminal bone cancer and was told I was going to die in 2012 in June, in January. Told me flat out, nobody in history. The, the tumor is on your spine. It, it's going to metastasize to your lungs. They're right there. Hello. Do not put your family through this. Meet with the hospice nurse, D. We love you. But why are we going to do these surgeries? Why? But when we know it's going to happen. And then I'm still here because I kind of did the same thing she did. Instead of this woman going to bury her head under a rock, she was at the school board. Like the, the laws in my city, they teach HIV prevention because of my mom went to war with the school board and won.
Where do you think your mom got that inner strength to be an advocate like that and to have the courage to, to speak up knowing that, that, you know, people would kind of maybe treat her as a, as a pariah? I think she got it from my grandmother and she got it from never really having a childhood herself and having to grow up. Like, I know my family's probably not going to like me saying this, but my grandfather was very abusive mm-hmm. to my grandmother where when they split up, she had five kids and had to work. And my mom was the oldest and she sat her down and said, I need you to become my husband. And so my mother co-parented her siblings all up until the time I was born. So when we look at her behavior, when she she was already, she she had lived the life of a 30-year-old at 18, just like I've lived the life of a 60-year-old. I was paying rent at 17. I was homeless at 16. Like we've lived these, these been, been faced with these, these extreme circumstances that have forced us to either stand up or sink. And I just know her her beginnings. Like she didn't have an option to quit. Like it wasn't an option. So like going to quit, it was me though. I was her inspiration. To answer your question in, in, in the simplest terms, just like I fought for my kids, I didn't want to start eating plant-based food, rip. <laughs> it was disgusting in the beginning, brother. I didn't want any parts of it. My body was like, and David Tilly was like, you, you're going to choose your tongue over your daughter? That's the uppercut. Like, you're, wow, you're wow. Gonna, you're going to choose your tongue, the lust of your tongue over your kid. What are you talking about? Yeah. But, but, but yeah, it, it was me that inspired her. She knew that she was going to die. Yeah. And that she did everything she could for her legacy. She got all her affairs in order. And then she showed me, like the education I got from just being a fly on the wall is better than anything I got from any school, any lecture I've heard. Because what I learned is we all can do whatever we want to do when things are doing great. But none of us know who we are until life throws you on your head. That's a fact, Rip. And that's what she showed me. And then when it was my turn, I could have went along with the program and they could have chemoed me out of here. Like the other 200,000 people before me in the history of my disease. But I was like, hey, I have absolutely nothing to lose to do everything that they don't want me to do. And that's how we got here, (laughs) from being a hard headed person. I waited for 20 years to fight cancer. They told my mom when I was 12, you know, by 16, it should have the the benign tumors. The research says that if they're larger, they will tell me I'll be blind. So I wasn't even looking at no light based on what my doctors at the time were saying, you know, at at all. Like I I didn't really expect too much from life because they had told me you're going to be blind by 21. And that's no life to me. Tell me this. So when were you first diagnosed with this um, this bone cancer? So I was diagnosed. So so it's it's a two pronged situation. I was diagnosed with neurofibromatosis, which is a rare neurological disorder that causes benign tumors 
to form on the end of your peripheral nerves like rip it doesn't get any worse than having things growing on your nerves so so all all those those little like skin flaps that you have all over your body what do you what would you have like 230 of those right now if, if we were to count them up man it's but they're internal too got it got Cause, it because it's, it's on my central nervous 84 percent of my body is tumors and so you've had those removed in the past, right? But do they grow back or how does that work? So this, before they would say, we don't do surgery because they'll come back. Uh-huh. Okay. And prior to Barack Obama getting elected as president, they had figured out how to not cover surgery for us, deeming these tumors that are the conduit for bone cancer, cosmetic like a mold. Uh-huh. Just, uh-huh. It's so much to unpack here, like just the miracle of being able to do 11 nine-hour neurological operations at $4 million. Nobody was doing that pro bono prior to, to, to that law being changed. Like, I am the pre-existing guy, but neurofibromatosis causes tumors to, fu- to, to form on your peripheral nerves, and then you kind of wait patiently for them to become malignant into MPNST, which is malignant peripheral neurological sheath tumor, which is a rare form of sarcoma high-grade bone cancer. Um, The only people really living are amputees. Mm. Like they have to cut it, cut, they, they, they cut your arm off for what I have. And how many of these malignant, uh, you said MPSTs, right? MPN. STs, yes. Yeah, and how many malignant ones have you had? I've had, um, so this is the interesting thing. I've had 385 removed over the course of 11 operations. The first seven operations were from January 2012 to November 2012, election day. I'll never forget it. In that span, they removed 225 tumors. When the pathology came back from that, excision, um, I had atypia cells in my head and the two pounds, seven centimeter mass that was on my spine came back malignant as well. I met David Choi in December of 2012 when the doctor said, we're going to see you home for Christmas, um, seven operations in one calendar. We don't want to kill you. Blah, 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 blah. We'll get right back into it the first week of 2013. And that's when I met him. That's when I bacon soda cleansed. That's when he came. He gave me the plant base. It wasn't even a talk. It was like, if you don't do this, you're going to die. But how did your paths cross with David Choi, who you say basically, you know, really helped point you in this direction and saved your life? Yeah. Um, so I'm a, you see my videos are mostly in lifetime, all the classics I'm posting. I'm a lifetime fitness guy. They got a video of me on their site. I'm a member story. And you know, he's a big lifetime guy. And so people, when I got diagnosed, they're like, you need to talk to chef Choi. I knew he was the vegan chef. At that time I was 315 pounds. I wore a 44 in the waist and I could push 450, 15 times, bro. And I didn't want to talk to the vegan guy, man. I'm not going to lie, Rip. I ate 10,000 calories a day, 40 pounds of chicken breast a month. I know why I got sick. But something in you 
something in you realized that this guy knew what he was talking about and it resonated with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And what it was, was he made me do the baking soda cleanse. He explained you have 30 feet of GI and we just need to flush some of the undigested food. This is his stuff. He said, you know, Americans don't chew. We just do one bite and swallow. He said, so if you've done that behavior over the course of your life, and then he hit me in my stomach. He said, you see that in there? That's what's feeding your cancer. So once we get rid of that, we're not going to kill it or cure it, but it's not going to be able to thrive. Now, you're never going to not be with it. But if you hold to these principles, which are hard, which is discipline, which there are no days off, I can show you how to stretch some years. And this is what I tell people. I am not cured. Every day is the first day I got diagnosed in my mindset because I understand cortisol. I understand the other gray areas of fighting cancer that nobody talks about. You can eat all the plant-based food you want, but if that mind is acidic, you I just, I've been doing this too long. I've mentored too many people. I've lost too many people. And I have too many people that are alive because of what I'm saying for 10 years. Um, and, and, and I know all this to be true, but David Choi, once the doctors were mad at me for not listening to them, if you're just going to make it worse, da, da, da. And then I woke up in July and I was supposed to be dead in June. <laughs> now, <laughs> no, you are you are one in a trillion. There's no, no doubt about that. <laughs> um, I want to go back. I want to go back. I want to explore. So at 16, you say your your mother, your mother died. You were devastated. And were you in your home by yourself? You said you were homeless. Like what happened that you took a downward spiral? So prior prior to you know her dying, like she made it clear, like we we live in poverty. Like this is never gonna change unless you go to school and take school seriously. I know you want to be basketball, but we can't count on your basketball abilities. I've been jumping five feet since I was in seventh grade, Rip. Like, I wasn't going to be Michael Jordan, but I was going to be Dennis Rodman. I was going to get a check. So that was my mission. I, I just need a check. I need a check for mom, however that happens. I was in all honors class. I was a nerd. I had to be home before the streetlights came on. Please and thank you. Like, she, she had a plan for me. I was our way out. And, and so I lived a very disciplined, strict life in the middle of the hood. I couldn't do what any of the rest of the kids could do. And what did the other kids think of, of, of you? Did they make fun of you? Did they tease you or did they? They just knew that it was my mom. They, everybody loved mom. That was just who she was. She was the Boy Scout leader. Like when the dads went, you're not listening, Rip. When this woman, they told her we can't do Boy Scouts at the school because no men. Her favorite word was chauvinist pig. Hey, she said, what do you mean no men? Why do you need men to show my the And became the den chief. Uh. My mom was the den chief. Just, to, just to, to, to reiterate who she was. So every morning was about going to school and performing. When she died, that's a lot of stress rip that I'm doing for, for nobody no more and my feelings are hurt and I'm just destroyed and all this discipline all this running in the morning for what now and, and then 
You have the pride and ego thing that nobody told me about. You know, I just know you're not supposed to cry as a man, as I thought. You're not supposed to share that, man, my, I'm hurting emotionally. You don't share that. At least that's what I thought. So I internalized it. And everybody who tried to plug into me, my, I could have went and lived with my grandmother. I'd have had to really be under the same disciplinary act. And I was so angry. And I felt like everybody was trying to be my mom. I was just angry. I was like, how is she? What kind of God takes this woman? Not this woman? I was just mad, real mad. So I did everything she didn't want. I was mad at her. Like, you just, you just left me here. Like, I didn't graduate yet. Like, the second week of my junior year. Like, you left me here. And it 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 it, it did. It, it, it brought me to zero. And I, I gave up on life in the sense that I wanted to die. And that, that's just, that's the long and the short of it. I wanted to die. I'll come be with you. I was born on her birthday. We did everything together. She was my best friend. She's all I knew. And she was gone. And now I'm stranded here. Like with no direction. And yeah, I got recruited by a street gang at 16 and a half. They, they, it wasn't to shoot people. They, they knew it was like, he got some brains. Oh, they let him get out. And they, the wrong people wrapped their arms around me, but they gave me the love I was looking for and went down a very dark road and never killed anybody, but sold a lot of weed and just, I was living that fast life um, in Chicago. Did you ever have to go to uh, jail? I was this is this is the craziest thing. I never got told on, and the times I went to jail, it was for like speeding and things like, and I got right out. But I never went to jail for any of the things I should have went to jail for. Um, and I used to think that was because I was some type of special thug superhero. I mean, I, Tupac raised me. Just think, I'm listening to music. Like the, when you're 16, you're listening to music. You don't have a dad and you don't have parents. And you, I mean, we only know what we're taught. So I'm listening, trying to become these people in these music videos. I mean, this is how it works. If for people who don't understand the lost kid, like that's just impressionable. And anybody showing love, whether they're a good person or a bad person, the kid wants love. And I was having... In my therapy, they say it's extreme abandonment issues. So, you know, I was clinging to the wrong people, trauma bonding. And that ended up in, in, in severe drug use and a suicide attempt on my 21st birthday. What allowed you to pull out of that downward spiral and uh, drug use and suicidal you know, tendencies? I couldn't kill myself, Rip, to, to be as crazy. I could smile at it. No, I couldn't even get that right, bro. <laughs> hey, wait, wait, so I had this because I wouldn't deal with these feelings that bubbled up. Like these trigger dates were spaced out during through the year just perfect. September 13th is my mom's death date. December 21st, which is like 60 days later, is our birthday. And then Mother's Day. So they kind of spaced out where you can't get a full year of anything because you're going to get triggered. So 
September 13th to come, I get a big pile of cocaine and whiskey. I just got to get through these three days. These three days. I'm going to lock myself in a hotel. I'm going to get through these three days, look at these pictures, like these candles. Da -da 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 -da. That worked. I, 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 I did self-therapy for like six, seven years, from like 16 to 21. Yeah. And I thought I had it under control. When these dates come, you go party. And then you come back, and you're fine. Nobody knew anything even happened. Man, my 21st, I, I don't know. I must have went a little too hard, Rip, because I took everything in the medicine cabinet at my house and woke up in Alexian Brothers Behavioral Health Center strapped to a gurney, angry. As strong as you see that I am, it wasn't until I got some therapy and talked and communicated and actually grieved for the loss of my mother. That's masking and grieving aren't the same things. And I'm the perfect testament. I just happen to wake up. But when you internalize things, I don't care who you are, or how strong you think you are. That other side of your brain is going to push it to the surface because it's not natural. It can't become harmony with your spirit because it doesn't feel right. It's your problem. Like you... You can try to keep it in there, but it, it's coming out because it's uncomfortable. And one way for me, it was suicide. It was popping the pills. I don't even remember doing it. But my body and mind behaved without me, and I almost died. It is like the greater lesson here of dealing with what you got going on. Because my life, that's the single event that changed the trajectory of my life. And I started a marketing company. I started brokering airtime for Clear Channel and CBS, the small businesses um, through geo-targeting. Um, you spend 10 grand, we'll just project you to the people that are actually going to come get an oil change from your... I, I found my little niche in, in, in marketing. And my, my, my mentor um, in Chicago, his name was Butch Stewart. He did all the McDonald's commercials, Oprah's theme music. And he, when we were 12, he came to our school and he showed me how to make jingles. That's why my videos look like that. He showed me how to make commercials. He's like, you can make 30 grand for 30 seconds. I said, what? Yeah, 30 seconds, it's called a jingle. I said, those commercials, they're not commercials, they're jingles. <laughs> I didn't realize what he gave me. He gave me like a fishing pole. Like right now I go work for a media house if I wanted to, I know how to do all, that's not why I'm here though. I'm here to do these videos to inspire patients. But that's what changed my life was that hospitalization. That was the single event. And that that counselor, that God bless him. I don't even remember what he looks like, but God bless that stranger angel guy that would not let me out. And you were 21? That was when you were 21, is that right? Yes. And yes. so and so D, how old how old are you today? You got to I want to guess. I want to guess, Rip. I want to see if my plant-based pumpkin mask is working. We're <laughs> 42. I will be 46 on the 21st. Rip is my new best friend. He said 42. <laughs> so, uh, so D, I want you I want you to talk about cuz in in that uh, video that I saw that was so absolutely crushingly moving you talked about kind of three things that you focus on every day the fitness the nutrition and the positive mindset and i think 
our listeners would love to hear about how you how you live every day and how those three things are really really your guiding light yeah that's an amazing question um so the three pillars are kind of based on they're they're specific to that because it's all about the quarters it's all about acidity like my lifestyle is about controlling my brain the behavior of eating plant-based is one thing but the entire message for me to people who are in my shoes is that if you don't control your brain and empty your cup out every day through exercise, meditation, um, communication, reading, if you don't do something to, you know, perspire and, and get the toxins out of you emotionally, spiritually, and physically daily, they will fester and build acidity. And this is just, my teacher's way, he's saying everything that everybody else says, but in his Buddhist way, it's all about controlling your mind and then coupling the control of your mind with good deeds through gratitude, through service, um, and then the exercise. But it's very important to note that you can't, to, to be where I'm at, you have to do all three of those things perpetually. And that's what's hard. It's hard to respond positively when negative things are happening to you. But how you know that I'm, I, I can say this is because I wake up every morning to a body that is attacking me, stabbing me, burning me. Like the pain is equivalent to aluminum foil on a filling. And it just wake me up just out of nowhere or sitting here, it starts shocking my foot. And that's why you see me moving because it's actively tumors right now shocking my foot. So instead of getting angry, which most people get angry when they feel pain, it's a natural fight or flight response. But think about monks and people who are masters in their craft. They push the body past what the body thinks the body can do over a course of time to where that craziness or that amazingness becomes normal. So what looks extreme, what looks extreme to everybody else is kind of normal for me. And it's not because I'm special, it's because of the repetition. And I'm in my 11th year of the lifestyle, January 4th. Um, but every single day is about waking up for your birthday. So I die every night. This is the key right here. You guys go to D's Instagram because you actually you you give us the opportunity to to watch. I do, say, I do. That's right. They just go. They listen to rip. Go go. But dying every night. When you die every night, I'm not gonna spoil it. Just know every morning's your birthday, and it's pretty hard to have a crappy birthday every day. It's a mindset. Yeah, yeah. But I, I I'd love for you to, you know, um, before we before we hang up today, to to say good night to yourself and show us show us how because so many of us to me i feel we don't love ourselves we don't like ourselves we look in the mirror and we're not happy with what we see we're not happy with what comes out of our mouths and uh and i think we're really we're really hard on ourselves and so you know it, 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 in my little um voyage into the world of d anthony <laughs> you have you've like cracked open a world that i want to explore because I'm 
I, I find it to be absolutely fascinating. Let's 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 do it. Let's do it. Um, the pain, though, Rip. Yeah, that's what keeps me. It's what keeps me whole in, in a crazy way. Like the what I go through every day, it, it makes me smile because, like my teacher said, you used to look at it like you were a victim of this disease, until he showed me how to look at it like. God only knew, or whoever you believe in, only knew that you could lose your mom at 16, try to kill yourself, get a terminal diagnosis, have 11 nine-hour operations, 385 tumors removed, live for 10 years, and then be able to communicate how you did it without quitting or complaining, D. He said, you're looking at what happened to you the wrong way. And when he said that, and I started looking at it like, and my mom used to say that these are these are superhero things. That's what she told me. Your tumors are superheroes. That's <laughs> why I'm trying to kill myself. I was tumor boy, real. I used to get bullied. I used to get bullied till she told me it's something wrong with them. And I just believed her. I believed her. I believed her. And I I, I believed her, real. Um, but the pain, I gotta stay on the pain. Because the pain is the reason why I can do what I do. When I don't have any more pain, it gives me no reason to try to build relationships around the world to, to get my plant-based medicine for free through my nonprofit to people. Like, because they see me in pain training and I leave everything on the table and I got an inbox on all my platforms full of people around the world. Around the world, man, how do we... How can I do it like this? I've done this for this long and it's not. And they, they're saying the same thing that you're saying. And I'm just thankful for you allowing me the opportunity to, to, for more listeners to, to really hear what this lifestyle, it won't cure, cure or kill anything, but it'll definitely extend your life. Um, I, I know that for a fact. I can say that definitively, that my lifestyle behavior consistently is why I'm here. It's the bottom line. So that pain that you mentioned, that pain you said is what it what's it's what grounds you and centers you. And without that pain, do you feel like you'd be lost now? Yeah. I don't think what the pain gives me a sense of urgency in my spirit because I know somebody else is going through it. So when that's my mission to try to alleviate somebody's pain without them becoming a drug addict. That's the other part of it. Like most of my pay, most people who have what I have are addicted to Norco, Percocet, Oxycontin, Arantin, Selects, and Rimron. That's what people who have what I have, that's what we're supposed to take three times a day forever. Are you touching any of that stuff? No, I, I, I made my own stuff, Rip. When I showed my, my family your video, my wife looked at me and she said, I want to know how he can stay so relentlessly positive because most people, they exist in a negative state. And the, and, and, and the dialogue that we have with ourselves in our mind is, it's, if let's just say we have 10,000 thoughts during a day. I bet you 8,500 of those 10,000 are negative. A, a negative. You, you spot, I got goosebumps. You're spot on. You're spot on. Uh, what are you doing? How are you? How are you? How are you? How are you flipping the script? I, I'm flipping the script in the sense that I know 
the oldest patient before me, it was simply her getting frustrated for too long that brought back her cancer after surviving for 13 years. So there are little benchmarks in my head where no situation is worth losing it when you're not supposed to be here anyway. And Rip, it, wait, listen, man. No doctor, when you look at, I qualify for disability and won't take the money. Okay? You know how hard it is to get disability? That's how bad my charts look that a judge said, and I was like, I don't want it. Like, my family was like, what if something happens and you go bankrupt because the cancer comes back? You're going to need to be in the system. Blah, 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 blah. I said, all right, we'll, we'll fill it out. And we filled it out, and I got disability. I qualified for it. But that's not that's not what D'Anthony is about. I, I'm, my, dis, my disability is my, is my superpower. My disability has took me around the world five times from Morocco to South Africa. My, my disability, Rip, has made me touch tens of thousands of people, and you just found me last week, two weeks ago. Do you know what that does for my brain on the scale of how much more work I got to do in the world when Rip Eccleston just now knows who I am? And we're, and we're, and we're plant-based brothers. We are plant-based brothers, brother. I'm working on this doc, and I'm about to snatch you in. Cause we, I like, I, I like your style, Rip. Dude. You know, you, you you lay back, and I'm an energy guy. Like if you weren't who you say you are, I'd be able to feel it. I wouldn't tell you, but I'd be like, okay, yeah. this is this is just. Hey, Carrie, hey, Carrie, will you will you pull up the um the the photo we have of D when he had that brain tumor? Cause I think it's important for people to see that. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, so D, so yes. did that, was that uncomfortable or was that just unsightly? So let me, let me, it's even worse than what it looks like. So what you see, the cancer, so this, this part right here is not really a part. That's the stitches. Okay. I just, I just make it look cute, but it's really stitches. And what happened was there's a crater. Like what you see, what you think you see is not the tumor. So there's a circle missing of my skull underneath this line right here. What you see is tissue expansion. The tumor in my head was in my scalp and, and inward. It's called a plexiform tumor. So you have a subcutaneous tumor, and then you have a plexiform tumor like I have on my leg that's consistent with cottage cheese that, 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 that comes out like this, but the margins are ins insane because it's a gel. It's alien. And so there's a circle that they took out. And so for me to not get infected, they had to do this experimental tissue expansion that they had never done on a human before. They were like, D, you have to sign these waivers, but you're going to have a crater opening in your head, and we, we think that it's not good to have it like this. So what we're proposing is we're going to pull your head up here, and then we're going to pull it over and just give you a new head. <laughs> Wait, Rip, I what? said... I don't understand. I don't understand how they could do that and have you look so handsome still. It's incredible. <laughs> look, this right here, you see that line? 
Yeah, yeah. Okay, so they opened up right there. They put a breast implant in right there. They sewed it back up, and then there was a port on the other side. And for 16 weeks, Rip, this was worse than the cancer. They injected six, uh, 18 milliliters of saline over the course of 16 weeks to stretch my head to cover the hole that they created. <sighs> so you talk about getting up in the morning, looking at something you hate or you, the reason I'm able to, to, to really fire the way I'm able to fire, all of my demons were forced in an elevator with me at the same time. Hmm. And it was basically deal with them or die. I lived in my basement for three years, put myself back together. Most people aren't willing to do that. Hmm. Um, and it was because I took Dave's help. And so when you take the holistic help, you know the hospital, how they feel, you know, they, they got me on their website. They have me in their pathways quarterly report. They're using the photos you're using, but they know they better not say that I took one step in their comprehensive $8 million cancer center because that never happened. It never happened, real. And you, and you, I love when you say that, you know, people that have, um nf like you do there are no there are no um there are no thrivers just survivors right you right. you are one of the i mean i think you are the anomaly right i am the anomaly and it's because they teach us i mean they just say don't be happy you're alive like we're the elephant man's cousin like the movie mask like those are our cousins man like we're the worst thing you could ever get, like growing up, the worst move, like we, I got that stuff, man. Like those are my family, the people with the deformed faces and the tumors. And so I know I wanted to hurt myself before I hurted myself, before my mom had convinced me that there was, there's really nothing wrong with you. It was lying, but you know, these are they're just special for you. But I didn't want to be the tumor kid. Like, I got in my first fights because of them. People, kids, man, what is that? What is that? And I don't even know what to say. Do you remember how old you, you were when you got your first little things on your skin? Yeah. The, it, I was born with one on my knee. And then by three years old, I had developed one on my wrist. Um, and my first fight was in nursery school at the boat table. I'll never forget it. I'm doing the boat, splashing the water, and I have the tumor on my wrist. And the bully kid, he comes over and he notices the damn tumor rip. I said, oh, no. And I try to switch hands. He's like, what's that? What was that on your hand? I said, nothing. And he grabbed me. He was bigger. What is, oh, uh, and he started making a lot of noise. All the kids ran over, uh, and I punched him in the face. That was my first traumatic experience of kids laughing at me because I was different because of these things. And it set the tone. Like, I didn't wear shorts for 20 years, Rip. Like, I didn't dress. I had my social worker figure out an excuse because in our school, if you didn't dress for gym, 
you didn't graduate. That's how serious they were about physical fitness. And I got out of that. We had to do swimming. I have tumors on my leg. Like it was, yeah, it was, I just, this is why I'm so happy. Cause I hated myself my whole life. It really took, it took dying, man. I swear to God, I hated my, I hated myself. It's like, man, God hates me. Just hurry up and get this over with. Why am I here? And now when you look in the mirror and you wear shorts and you wear sandals and you know, you're, you're, you show it all off. Is that because you're just, this is who I am and I'm okay with it. And do people, people must ask you questions still repeatedly. And yeah, but the difference is, the difference is I understand who I am in the world. And when you have emails from NF kids, like our suicide rate at one time was in the 26th percentile for NF kids, just because nobody's ever dated you. Nobody's took you to prom. Nobody sat with you at lunch. Nobody has ever wrapped their arms around you because you're the ill kid. So in these kids who have Google, I didn't have Google, but who, man, Google got 20,000 pages of all the bad stuff that's going to happen to us. So when you're a kid and you look at that, suicide is a real option today. And so I have emails that come in, man, I was going to kill myself today. Rip, do you know what it's like to get, a, a, like somebody was going to kill themselves and said, I, just what you said, I bumped into this crazy video and it had NF on it. And then I just kept clicking and you did this and then you started on the board. And then, man, D, thank you. That is, man, I'm giving myself, who gives themselves goosebumps? <laughs> <laughs> D, you mentioned you. So you mentioned a lot of NF people. They're not dating. They're, you know, they're not married, whatever. You have one of them. Well, you love saying this. I have the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> so how did you meet her and how did that love fester and come together? Man, you're not going to believe this. Um, fifth and seventh grade. Hey, we went to the same elementary i've known her 35 years oh my gosh but i gotta be honest with you when my wife and i knew each other in our old life my wife at our school had a boy's haircut and she could beat all the guys in in running and she played hockey now i'm just gonna keep it honestly real with you rip none of the dudes like because you was in competition with her. Like, this is a fifth grader that has the 50-yard dash record or is running the mile in But all you hear is amber, 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 amber. None of the guys liked her because she was an overachiever athlete. Then we get to high school. Um, and my mom dies. And I, I was doing so well for myself as a young man, doing the wrong things. I had a two-bedroom apartment at 17 years old. Um, so I'm the kid with an apartment, my godfather's sign, he's the reverend at the church and he's just enabling me because he knows I'm out of control. It's the worst thing he could have did. But I have a house to myself and it, D got a house. And so I had this group of people, I, everybody couldn't come, but she was part of that group. Um, then she went off to Boston College, full ride hockey scholarship. 
went on to play pro hockey in Switzerland. None of that picture, Rip. Do not, do not be suckered by that picture, okay? Do not be suckered by that picture. And then in 2015, I was on the way out of a, a, a turbulent first marriage. Um, and a person, a mutual friend that I was mentoring was asking me, man, you saved my life just from your public figure page. How can I help you? I got some venture cap guys. You need money. I'm like, yeah, I need all of that. But what I really need is somebody to represent me um, because I'm having a moral component about raising money with this God's gift life story. Like, Rip, I was really like most scumbags are like, how do I monetize this? And I'm like, man, if I go straight into business, man, I'm dead. Like I was really having those thoughts. So I said, look, if you can find somebody to represent me where all I have to do is eat plants and speak, and that's all I got to do, and they can do the business, that'd be great. 24 hours. He said, do you remember Amber from school? I said, little bird, yeah, we used to kick her before she went to, um, she left for college. She's like, you know what she does? No. She, she runs APB. What's APB? That's the biggest speaking girl in the world. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know. I said, okay. And so Amber texts Johnny Emmerman, who at that time was CNN's cancer hero. Me and Johnny were, were brothers by then. Like, we were brothers by 2015. And she's texting him, man, who is this D. Anthony? And she doesn't isn't putting that I'm Dewan. And I don't look nothing like I used to look. And I'm, I'm just D'Anthony, this cancer guy from Evanston. And she's like, she knows all the speakers in the world. She represents Mikhail Gorbachev and Bishop Desmond Tutu. Like, who the hell is D'Anthony? I don't know. He's not in my Rolodex. And so she's texting the cancer community rock stars. Have you heard of this guy? And then Johnny texts me. How do you know Amber Bobbin? I said, why? <laughs> she's texting me. Who you... So I text, I said, you're checking me out? And then I, she started laughing. How do you know Johnny? What, how do you know Johnny? And we had this, this back and forth, and she flew in from Boston. We met at the, the O'Hare um, Starbucks. We sat on the uncomfortable table on the wall. You know, the one, the two chairs for seven hours, Rip. Oh, and was she plant-based then or not? She was pescatarian. Well, you, you, when you get to talk to her, she's going to tell you whatever. She, to, no, no. She okay, okay. okay. This is a, this, I think this is a great transition into because I, you really got to talk about your plant-based and how when you first started it, like you said, when we first started talking, it tasted like dirt. You were like, you got to be kidding me, right? Yeah. But, but, but things changed, right? Yeah. And, yes. and, and you like it now. I love it now. Love I it now. Like meat smells like like cigarette smoke to me. Like oh, yeah. Will you talk about that transition for uh, for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So when Master Vegan Chef David Choi, he he basically said, you know, I can't cure you, but you know, my 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 civilization for three thousand years, he has this Buddhist medicinal um, scroll that that whatever is in there. But anyway, he says that we're about harmony. It's, it's about cancer not being an external invasion. We were all born with cancer cells, but they congregate in certain people's bodies for certain reasons. 
But the common denominator in everybody's cancer journey is the acidic environment in their body. I said, okay, so what do I have to do? He was like, you don't have to give up everything you love. Well, what, what does that mean? He said meat, dairy, yeast, and sugar. I said meat, dairy, yeast, and, and that's everything. He said everything. I said, what am I supposed to eat? He said, I'm going to bring you 21 plant-based meals, and I'm going to feed you back and nourish you back to your body in a into your body's in a harmonious state. Um, so I said, oh, I didn't know what I was getting into. I just knew that he wanted to help, and my doctor was suggesting I go to hospice. I mean, so if he would have said, hey, try this cabal piss, I would have tried it, Rip, because I didn't want to die. I just didn't want to die, man. And so he's like, from your mouth to your rectum, there's exactly roughly about 30 feet of GI tract that's compressed into six inches. He said, you need to eat things that move more liquefied and that break down in an eight-hour time period, which is which are plants. And I said, okay. I said, so I can never eat the meat again? He said, D. This is it. Like, you're either going to choose your tongue. Like, what are you doing this for? I said, I don't. And I've said this to him. I said, I have a daughter and I can't leave her here with the men of the world yet. That's exactly what I said. I cannot leave my daughter here for the men of the world. That's why I'm going to do this with you. I'm not doing this for me because this is disgusting. I, I was very adamant about how horrific my body is telling me. I'm like, there's something wrong. Like, I put it in my mouth. And it wants to come back up. Like, it's not normal. There's something wrong. He's like, D, you got to figure out how to get it down your throat. He said, this is what's going to happen. Your palate, your palate is tainted. <laughs> he said, your palate has, it, 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 it lusts for what you taught it to love. And that's the meat and oil and acidity. And it's just withdrawal. He said, at six to eight weeks, because I was, I was a pretty big boy. He said, at six to eight weeks, your body is going to go into what we call survivor shock. And it's sort of like starvation for people who are starving. When you don't introduce the meat, dairy, yeast, and sugar that you've been thriving off of your entire existence, your body starts freaking out. Where's the meat, D? Where's the dairy? Where's the sugar? And it goes and finds it and hits me in my stomach. He said, it's naturally going to go eat. I said, then what, I'm, what am I going to eat? You're going to eat what I give you, but your body is going to be working for you, eating all of your organ fat, your visceral fat, the fat that you can't outwork. It's just sitting there. It's a collection of sludge. And the only way to get rid of it is by not depositing the same things that put it there in the first place. And so in week four, man, it was crazy. But he said in five or six, the dirt taste should transition. It should be more palatable. Hey, I said five to six. He said, yes. If you can make it to the fifth of the sixth week, your palate will begin to change and the, and, and the taste will be more palatable. Whatever he says, some slick monk stuff. And I was just like, okay. And we get to the fifth and sixth week. And he's right. It got a little better. It was still bad, though. Rip, my body just wasn't trying to force it back up. 
And this is when he had the talk that changed my entire transition. Hey, you guys listen up. We're listening. He said, look, D, when you were eating the meat, did you just take it out the package and throw it on the grill and cook it? I said, no, it's a process. Like, I marinated, I beat it, then I sprinkle some stuff on it, I beat it again, I put it in the freezer, I take it out, beat it again, and then I cook it the next day. He said, man, that's a lot of effort and a lot of light and a lot of love and you put into just one meal. I said, I can't really eat it the way you talk. He said, ah, so it's not the meat that you love, it's the preparation. Mm. He says, so what would happen if you put that same effort into this stuff I give you instead of just taking what I give you? You have a bunch of seasonings. They're all plants. They say organic. If you make this yours, it will become more palatable. I said, so I can add. He said, I never said you couldn't. I said, I thought it was supposed to this like a punishment. He said, dude, you're looking at it wrong. The object is to get it in your gut, okay? It's to get it in there to create this new environment. And, and once he told me that, and I got some seesaw and just things that make, you know, make my body just do this no matter what I'm eating. And then I was like, man, this pine nut stew, because they're pine nuts. So he fed me $1,000 worth of pine nuts for 10 years, brother. Um, wow. Yeah, that that's why I'm doing what I'm doing for free. Eleven hundred dollars worth of pine nuts every week until I got stuck. And he said, this is your biggest test to figure out how to feed yourself. D, show me show me that 18 inch pine nut bicep. <laughs> I want you guys to know, you got to go check out uh, D'Anthony Trains, right? That's your Instagram handle. Yes, D'Anthony Trains. The workouts that you are doing are absolutely insane. I can't believe how hard you push yourself. What Thank a you, brother. What a specimen you are. It is absolutely phenomenal considering, you know, you got terminal cancer and uh, you're fueling yourself on plants. But I'm being a little bit facetious there with the second part. Um, but D. Like, give me an example. Like, what does a day of eating look like for you? Like, just can you run through a breakfast, lunch, and dinner for me? Absolutely. So on Sundays, um, I I prepare a big pot of six cups of organic basmati rice and six cups of organic pine nuts. I simmer those on a low heat for six hours. They culminate together, um, and then I eat that for the next 10 days. So when we think of eating, I don't think of eat. I don't eat just like I don't sleep. I take naps throughout the 24 hours because I'm, I'm doing business in South Africa. I'm in the Netherlands. I'm all over the place. So I don't – my time schedule is very different. But so with the food, it's about getting – my amount of pine nut mixture in my body that's strictly for protein in my muscles. And then I build around that our healthy snacks, you know, whatever I like munching on. But it's about, I, I don't look at it as a meal unless, like for Thanksgiving, my wife did an amazing plant-based. I, I saw this spread. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
or we're out of town, we're, we're like at the best vegan restaurants, plant doing, but on a daily regimen in my regimen and my daily ritual, it's about getting up at 1.30, okay? Because we're in Maui and we're 12 hours behind South Africa and the Netherlands and we're six hours behind the East Coast and five hours behind Central Time. And so I'm doing things in all of those time zones with different people. I'm just trying to spread this message and these products. And, and so the whole day is 1.30. I put my, my, I put this on, I rub this all over my body. I go sit on the toilet, tears come to my eyes, the pain subsides. And then I have a five hour window that I need to train, check my emails, get back to patients and get ready for calls that are scheduled. Cause my entire day is based on my ability to put my pain ointment on it, 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 So, so that, so when you talk about food, it's just in the morning and then it's in the afternoon and then it's in the evening, but they're like, they're three cups of the mixture. There's not a shake, but it's like a, yeah. Porridge. It's like a porridge, but it's it's been liquefied, so it looks more like a soft serve. It's more soft. I didn't know how to put that in the words. It's a soft serve texture. Do you, have, do you ever do you ever do you ever eat like I don't know fruit, I mean, bananas and oranges and apples and stuff of, like that? Um, star fruit. I got spoiled. I'm in Maui. I do I do a lot of star. I do a lot of star fruit and dragon fruit and things that I never knew existed. Um. I, I, I'll eat a, a banana, a plantain. What about green leafies? You doing green leafies? I do green leafies. I'm, I'm a big spinach head. I'm a spinach head. Um, love broccoli. Um, but I'm the seed and legume guy because of the muscle. The thing is on the journey is that you do muscle and you know the greens, you'll burn it up. You better train for 30 minutes. Anything after that. For me, I burn. I burn through calories, Rip, where I'm my worst enemy on this plant-based thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, you know, with with what you have with your N with your NF, you know, if you're just trying to get, like you've said 10 times, you, you, you're trying to you know get rid of the acidity environment and more of an alkaline, but also just pumping in all those phytonutrients and antioxidants too. They're going to keep all that, you know, cancer at bay. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like it. I like it. D can you say good night to, you know, yourself, like you're winding down the day, you're looking in the mirror and cause I, I, if you wouldn't mind, maybe it's too personal, but I'd love for you to give us a taste of that love that you feel that courses through, you know, that in incredible body and mind of yours um, because there's something about it that I think a lot of us could, could use and it's a great takeaway. Absolutely. Absolutely, Rip. Um, the whole purpose of saying goodbye to yourself is forgiving yourself. Like a lot of times we go to bed with the trauma of the day. And then you sleep with that. You don't know that, but nobody tells you that unless you're in that space or in that field. But if you had a horrible day, 
and that's what you went to sleep with, you kind of take that with you. Um, and as a person who is sick and my entire life is based about trying to be as alkaline as possible all the time, it's about perpetually letting the stuff go, which is hard for everybody to forgive themselves, to forgive others, and let go of the things that are hindering their progress. But one of the tools that was taught to me was saying goodbye to yourself and, and, and saying it from a spirit that I am not promised the morning. No matter how positive I am, it is not a fact that I will wake up. Like this not promised when I close my eyes and go to sleep that I will wake up in the morning. So when you go to bed and you really believe and let that sit in between your ears for a few seconds and be like, no, no matter how I'm feeling, I really might not wake up tomorrow. So when you start right there and then you come into training yourself to die every night, you kind of start every day like I got to give everything. I can't leave anything inside of me. I got to put it all out there because if I don't wake up in the morning, I, I, it was something I could have did that I didn't do. It's a mindset. So before I go to bed, my wife goes to bed before me and I, I don't sneak in there, but she's sleeping. She's never, I, she hasn't told me she's seen this, but I go, I close the door um, and I get real close to the mirror and I'm just like this. I'm smiling yeah. because a little part of me is like, how are you even here, bro? Like, so I'm just, I'm like, you're here. Yeah. And I, I, I'll get into my, my mantra and I just be like, man, it was a rough one today. Um, but we did everything we said we were going to do. We helped such and such. We did this. This didn't work out, but that's all right. And it's a dialogue I'm having with myself and, and, and reassuring myself that you did your best. You might not have hit everything you wanted to hit, but you left it all on the court. And because of that, you know, you go to bed with the feeling of accomplishment. Like there was no shorts that I took today. I gave my all. And you'll find that laying on that pillow is like, man, yo, I did some good stuff. Man, this is great. <laughs> and you're just over time training yourself to wind down while you get in the theta and alpha, and I know I'm going, yeah, he'd be on the metaphysics. While you go into these deep sleep patterns so you can get the best hours of sleep between 10 and two, That Google that too, when the best times to grab your best sleep, 10 and 2 a.m. And I just say goodbye and thank you, and I hope to see you in the morning, but if I don't, hey, they're going to remember you. You, you, you. you did everything you were supposed to do today. And I tell myself, I love myself. I hope to see you in the morning. Yeah. And, and it just leaves you. You could have had this, the, the worst day ever, real. But when you forgive yourself and you know, if you took shorts during the day or shortcuts or you cheated, no, it doesn't mean the same thing. But if you're living a life that we're living, a life of service, a life of awareness, a life of education and love and light, 
like that matters. It doesn't matter to somebody who took shortcuts all day. Everybody's not ready for this. But if you're ready to be able to respond to whatever life throws at you, because that's the name of this game. That's all I figured out how to do is to respond peacefully to the negative things that happen to me. That's that's a hard, that's a hard thought when you think about that. Like punch me in the face, body. I'm gonna smile at you and be like, but you're not gonna have my my you're not gonna have my 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 acidity. Like you're 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 not gonna make me acidic. And it's a constant conversation. That's all it is, real. It's knowing yourself, loving yourself. I love it. D, um I wanna close this out by saying how appreciative I am that we were able to have our paths cross that you uh, I want to thank you for coming on the plan strong podcast. I want to take a page out of your book and I want oh, to send man. you, I want to send you all the mm. love and the light and the peace and the positive energy that I can, because <laughs> you know what? You deserve every single speck of it. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank yeah. you so much, Rip. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Give me, give me, uh, give me some plant strong fist love there. Boom. There it is, brother. And for my cancer patients watching, no matter what your doctors tell you, keep your hands up, keep your head tucked, and don't you dare stop swinging until it's over. I love it. Love it. Mahalo. Mahalo, brother. <laughs> As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, I was absolutely floored literally floored and speechless when I first saw the video of D. Anthony on YouTube. And I'll put a link to it in the show notes so that you too can watch and share it. I'll also make sure that you have links to follow him on Instagram and his other social channels. Thank you again so much for listening. And just like D. Anthony, remember to love yourself Celebrate your own life every day and always keep it plant strong. Thank you for listening to the Plant Strong Podcast. You can support the show by taking a quick minute to follow us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Leaving us a positive review and sharing the show with your network is another great way to help us reach as many people as possible with the exciting news about plants. Thank you in advance for your support. It means everything. The Plant Strong Podcast team includes Carrie Barrett, Lori Kordowich, Amy Mackey, Patrick Gavin, and Wade Clark. This season is dedicated to all of those courageous truth seekers who weren't afraid to look through the lens with clear vision and hold firm to a higher truth. Most notably, my parents, Dr. Caldwell B. Esselstyn Jr. and Anne Cryle Esselstyn. Thanks for listening.